0: You cannot grow up just going to competitions. I mean to grow in from your local town competition to your country competition and then became Olympic champion of belly Not gonna happen.
1: Join Jelena's Balladance Evolution for their 10-year anniversary performance featuring the best of BDE, classic choreography, epic music and the stars that tell the stories of Immortal Desires, Dark Side of the Crown, Alice in Wonderland and Phantasm. See the show in Los Angeles on August 24 or audition for the cast by June 19th. More information at BaladanceEvolution.com Welcome to Bella Dance Live Podcast with weekly portion of stories, tips and dance inspiration. My name is Jana Komarnitska, I'm your host and I invite you to explore all nuances of Bella Dance Life together with me and our amazing guests. Let's start. This episode is brought to you by my Inner Dance a Lifestyle and Fashion Brand inspired by Belladance. You can find uh, all a great selection of different items at uh, the website myinnerdancer.com Oh my god, (laughs) I don't even know if I can really find proper words to express all the emotions and describe all the experience that you guys gave to to us, to me, to podcast, to teachers or for... uh, Baladin's Live Podcast Challenge. Last 10 days, they were really, really incredible. Honestly, it was so unexpected. What a f- crazy, amazing feedback we got from Baladin's community and how you guys took it. a completely different level something that we did not expect didn't predict we honestly wanted just to encourage people to dance uh, 15 minutes uh, once in several days and practice uh, more consistent uh, even if it's short practices but uh, you absolutely exceeded uh, any Possible expectations and um, seeing what an incredible community of women all around the world gathered around uh, this uh, challenge and participated. I have no idea how actually how many countries participated, dancers of all ages, of uh, different uh, uh, kind of usual preferences in <laughs> in styles and and ballet dance manners. Everyone just so incredible and uh, thank you so much for creating this experience uh honestly i can only share from little backstage that all the teachers they are so touched and we watch through all your videos maybe not commenting immediately or anything like that but we do see and every video is so incredible and the kind of messages uh we receive from you it's ah it just inspires and wants to to keep going and just signals that uh, we are going in the right direction (laughs) so thank you so much for all your feedback regardless if you participated in the challenge within those 10 days term or or not or maybe you're just now discovering what she's talking about. I still encourage you still go ahead still do it still share your video because it's more than just about those 10 days that we uh, put aside on the schedule or uh, It's more than just about those encouragement gifts that we are about to give you tomorrow May 31st uh, follow my Instagram we are gonna do it in a live We um, are Instagram live so another opportunity to connect to chat a little bit with all the teachers and uh, discover who will get encouragement gifts but as i was saying it's much more than uh, gifts and i know actually that many people have no even idea that you are about to give gifts at the end uh, and you still do it and this is the most incredible feeling and also seeing uh, Uh, your comments on each other's videos that was such a nice surprise that you are not only sharing uh your own uh, like combos and videos and workouts but you actually following each other and supporting each other it's it's incredible and if you haven't checked just go to instagram check hashtag belly podcast and it's incredible i mean i i keep repeating incredible incredible but that's I just can't find a, find better word because it's really incredible what an experience uh, you created for us uh, teachers to see, to see you dancing, you actually taking time and effort and energy and supporting this idea and dancing together and um, of course this is uh, one of the biggest support and uh, awards uh, that uh, me as a podcast host can see that people actually participating in, in uh, activities and um, whoa, I'm a little bit slow <laughs> trying to express all the amount of emotions but I'm sure I'll get um, better and a little bit less overwhelmed with emotions so I can communicate even better everything that is on my mind uh, over like next few days and e- a week uh, and uh, we'll share all the things on via my Instagram. But uh, also, I know one of the burning questions that I already keep receiving. Is it going to be another challenge? Is it going to be another challenge? Yes. This was our first Baladens live podcast challenge. But there is coming more. I'm not telling yet what the dates, like don't expect it next week (laughs) or anything like that, Uh, it will be in a bit, but not like immediately, but we are gonna do at least several of these kind of challenges over the course of the year, and they will be very different it's not going to be the same it's not going to be about consistency next time i hope i can surprise you with something else that i'm preparing uh, but yes, stay tuned, uh, keep uh, keep an eye on uh, my Instagram, as you know, this is my main platform, they usually announce things, and of course, keep listening to podcasts, and uh, uh, try to listen to the new fresh uh, episodes as soon as possible, once they uh, come out, because uh, I, as you know, just I sometimes do lose uh, uh, announcements that are timely sensitive, uh, so again, the podcast episodes, they're not really in order, it's a conversation, conversations with different uh, people. Sometimes we refer to some previous episodes, but you can always choose uh, which order to listen to the episodes. But of course, I always hope that you are listening on a regular basis and I try to deliver a new portion of inspiration for you every uh, week. So hopefully that will going on. And yes, I am considering to start doing Uh, two episodes one will be interview one will be mini episode Uh, this is coming very very soon but for now i would like to introduce our today's guests because uh, this is one of those unique interviews that we have a couple creative couple uh, talking and sharing uh, things about their work and uh, everyday uh, life Please uh, welcome uh, today to the podcast Alia and Vladimir Kuchinkov. You probably know these guys from so many festivals. You have seen Vladimir near the camera, Alia on stage or at the uh, area of uh, costume designs. And hopefully you're already familiar with their... Um, Activities, I'm pretty sure that everyone who ever participated in festivals in Europe most likely you met and saw this amazing couple, but I'm very happy that uh, We got to talk to them in this conversation and they're sharing a lot of not only cute and funny stories from their uh, travel (laughs) dance uh, life, but also a lot of very cool tips uh, that you can incorporate in your events, regardless are you event festival organizer or are you just organizing like small half or small events at your studio, uh, because Alia and Vladimir they have a very unique perspective. They travel all the time. They are traveling like almost every weekend. They are at some festival, but they are not just participants, and they are not just teachers they see it from a very different angle they see it from the angle of photographer and videographer as well as costume designer and the kind of tips they shared uh, for event organizers to keep in mind uh, this is super valuable i'm not even gonna jump ahead just uh Keep in mind that we talked about all these aspects of uh, event planning uh, along with a bunch of funny stories from Ali and Vladimir just about their daily uh, life and how they travel together and how they uh, pack or how they organize their schedules during the events. So there will be a lot of fun and laughs there, uh, but I do encourage you to listen to the end because we cover a lot of different uh, topics and um At the end, we even talked about uh, what if festivals at all are valuable in today's uh, life for dancers to attend. And um, maybe just social media is enough. Who knows? Well, you'll discover at the end of this interview. Now, without any further delay, I will let you jump into this amazing conversation with Alia and Vladimir. Hello, guys! Welcome to Ballet Dance Live podcast. And today we have uh, an amazing couple, Alia and Vladimir Klutchenko in the house. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys! Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, let's start our conversation as traditionally we start. Uh, so, how did uh, Ballet Dance enter uh, your life, Alia? Can you can you start? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I am in dance. 10 years and I
2: started to belly dance when I, uh, when I studied in university. And uh, in two years, we meet, met with Vladimir. And uh, after, uh, we started our big uh, plans for belly dance and uh, work still in this.
1: Okay, so I, I guess, Vladimir, belly dance entered your life together with Alia. <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh- <laughs>
1: What did your first think about uh, Ballet Dance? Uh,
0: this is hard to tell because I don't actually remember my first thought but uh, it was just like, well, fun, okay, should dance belly Dance, why not?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but then uh, when the moment came, a bit later, a couple years later, uh, there was a choice, uh what to do next because Alia was finishing university and uh, there was a moment to decide what to do next and uh we were looking at her results and uh, she wanted to dance so we decided to try and develop something from it
1: mm. and what have you been doing before meeting Alia uh
0: i worked for for how many years? It was, I guess, 11, 12 years. I was working as a graphic designer uh, in advertisement agencies, marketing agencies, and uh, some uh, printing houses. I actually lived, before I met Ali, I lived for five years in Moscow. And then I came back to Belarus and uh, met my wife. <laughs>
1: And how about you, alia? Did you study in university something related to dance uh, or you were planning back back then you planning a completely different career
2: ten years ago was my dream to be a journalist mm. and uh, but uh, if some uh, someone uh tell me ten years ago that I will be a da- dancer no <laughs> <laughs> and um <laughs> Uh, and when I uh, of course when I started to belly dance it was just like a hobby and uh, after uh, like Vladimir told uh, when we, meet, we met we were thinking about what to do it was my dream to be a journalist but I studied in University of Belarusian language I was a philologist oh. now of course I I don't practice this anymore <laughs> Does dance, <laughs> uh, but uh, some, sometimes maybe uh, in general I'm interested still in journalist, but not uh, exactly in journalist career. Uh, I like to work with uh, video, like um, maybe like TV anchor, and um, maybe one time I will have uh, my personal uh, project with it.
0: Oh, cool. uh,
2: but, um, but now, uh, I also thinking about uh, more about uh, fashion, fashion. And one one more my dream to have a fashion boutique with beautiful dresses. <laughs>
1: Mm. Well, you're halfway through to your dream and goal because you have uh, very beautiful ballet dance costumes that you're creating. <laughs> so it's partially <laughs> partially already like in the reality. And uh, uh, you mentioned that uh, when you met and after some time, you start thinking about building something uh, related to ballet dance careers. What was your first uh, uh, venture, what was your first project that you decided to put together related to baladance? dance?
0: Uh, you know, <clears throat> it wasn't like projects. It was like uh, in Russia, in Ukraine, in Belarus, belly dance is not hobby, usually. It's kind of sports. And uh, when you start, of course, you don't know how is it around the world. So the first thing we tried is just to visit a couple festivals uh, outside. We went to Paris. It was the first time I visited the Belladance festival. And we saw it from totally different perspective. Uh, This is, that was actually uh, the first time I started to think maybe I I can make money from filming Belladance because I started just filming for Alia because on many competitions uh, there was no video services at all, and uh, if there were any, they were totally and absolutely uh, unusable. It was someone putting a very cheap camera on the tripod and doing nothing with it. So I filmed for Alia, firstly with a small uh, computer, But then when we visited uh, Paris and we saw the prices and the quality, uh, we thought maybe it can be a working project because uh, even then my videos were better than uh, the guy who filmed for this festival. And after that, uh, when we started to make it seriously, to take it seriously, uh, I invested a lot in my equipment and uh, now I'm making almost TV-quality picture for the dancers for a very affordable price. So, the first thought was probably we can make some, not make money, but maybe we can uh, pay for our travels with uh, my services, as videographer. Hmm.
1: And how many uh, countries and festivals do you visit on average uh, these, uh, these days, per year?
0: Well, depends on last couple of years we travel a bit separate, sometimes together, sometimes separate, and uh, well, I can say that last couple of years I feel from twenty to twenty-five Baladens Evans. Oh
2: wow!
0: It doesn't mean we travel together all the time, but yeah, mostly nice we travel we together. Travel
1: together.
0: <laughs> yes, mostly when we prefer to travel together.
1: Mhm. Okay, uh I must uh, ask this question because I was re- requested by my husband. So, among all the countries and among all the places and festivals, which was the most uh unexpl- unexpected place or city or or country in general where you found good shisha? <laughs>
0: Ah, good shisha. (laughs) This is a good question, actually, and uh, your listeners probably don't know, but uh, with your husband, we share um, about shisha places around the world. Mm -hmm. When I come across some nice place, I send uh, the name of the place and coordinate to him and vice versa. So I don't know about unexpected because probably I was most surprised to find the good shisha place in Switzerland yes. because this is uh, the most conservative country uh, with the most conservative people. And yeah, I was surprised to find a good shisha place in, uh, what was the city? Fribourg, I guess.
2: Yes. But last time Vladimir bring uh, him a small travel shisha and smoke all time in any country, in any place uh, during the (laughs) festival
0: (laughs) yeah, recently I found that it is a bit easier to take travel shisha with me and uh, smoke whenever I want (laughs)
1: Uh, that's so awesome so you attend a lot of festivals uh, but you have this unique uh, position you are not a festival i mean you are festival organizers of your own festival which we are gonna talk uh, in just a bit but when you attend other festivals you are not festival organizers there but you are not also regular participants And not just as a teacher. You have perspective of a dancer and teacher. Also a perspective of costume designer. And perspective of photo photographer and videographer. What are the most common mistakes you see festival organizers do from event to event? From your perspective.
0: Uh, The first mistake is usually to go cheap. Because, yeah, as a festival organizers, we have our budget, we have our limits. But if you go cheap, people can see it. And people can feel it. If you try to squeeze money from them, they can feel it. And it's not going to work. Not from business perspective, not from uh, atmosphere. This is, for me, I think it's most common mistake. Because, okay, you have low budget but you can make a lot of, which cost nothing. You can pay attention to small details, you can organize uh, some um, small things for people, like say, I don't know, photo zone, uh, you can organize. Change yes, change rooms, you can organize this kind of stuff. Just pay attention to the details, it costs you nothing, but it makes um, a good atmosphere for people. People feel they're welcome. But most festivals, unfortunately, people do care about uh, stars only.
2: Yes.
0: So the common people, the common dancers, they just come and uh, they ask to pay for everything. But they don't get uh, anything but basic. They get workshops, yes, but they don't get enough uh, change rooms. They don't get enough breaks. and They don't have... I don't know, simple water, tea, coffee, uh, cookies. It costs 10 euros to provide coffee, tea, and cookies. But people don't think about it, unfortunately.
1: And uh, for you, Alia, as a costume designer who present, uh, you present your costumes at different festivals, what is important for you, uh, what kind of experience as a costume designer it's important for you to have at the festival where you bring your costumes uh, for sale?
2: I think the most important is the place where I will put my costumes, costumes. Uh, because, uh, for example, um, some festival don't have a good place. I don't think about uh, <laughs> very very nice place in uh, in the middle of uh in the middle of hall. But uh, a lot of uh, festival don't have uh, don't have enough tables. It's also mm-hmm. not good. Don't, don't have uh, light. Last time we bring our light uh, with, uh, with, uh, with,
0: uh, with us. I have a video light, it's yes. a LED panel, and uh, on many festivals we have to use it uh, not by its direct uh, meaning, not making videos, but I put it to shine some light on the costumes, because uh, we can get tables uh, set in some dark corner without any lights available, this kind of stuff.
2: Yes, and other designers told to us, "Wow, it's a very good idea. We need also like this."
1: Yeah, of course. And by the way, can you give a tip to uh, participants of festivals? When do you think is the best time to go and check costumes at the festival? Because sometimes it's like too crowded. Sometimes it's too busy in between workshops or like running, and sometimes people leave for last moment and then forget. Like from uh, uh, seeing all the events from perspective of baladin's designer what do you think would be the best time for participants if they are smart to go and check costumes
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think the best time is uh, during the workshop and in the break between workshops because people more free more relaxed and uh, for example, uh, before the competition, the shows, uh, people don't think about to buy costumes. They th- mm-hmm. think about prepar- pre- preparation time, about uh, performance, and uh, other things. But uh, really, the most be- uh, the best time to check costume is uh, between the workshops, and uh, maybe during workshop if you don't uh, dance. The workshops, for example,
0: mm. but from the money point of view, <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah, they have a choice. They can come first and check all the costumes, Wait. or they can come the last and have the better price because it's not a secret. Many designers, uh, and sometimes us included, uh, on the last day when we pack our bags, we can make some discounts. Mm.
2: Yes, but in China, for example, the uh, I, I can't say the best time when people can come to check costumes because in China students every time, every time came came and checked.
0: Yeah, there are always people in China and it's uh, not secret, uh, I think, always not secret, Chinese people hungry for foreign goods and costumes as well. So we usually sell almost everything no chance to get discounts here because it's no point to make discounts when you sell almost everything
1: right but it's also good to know because sometimes dancers come to check costumes on the first day then they hear price and they get very discouraged uh, but it's like oh like come back uh one of the last days and hope maybe you get lucky that that costume is not sold and it's you can arrange some little discount <laughs> so it's a good tip yes, for dancers get... to know
0: but you can get disappointed because you come to la- in last day and uh, <laughs> let's say we sold 70 percent of everything we're not very interested uh, in discounts and the costume you check the first day is already sold
1: mm, exactly so, yes it's a lottery mm-hmm. yeah uh for those dancers who uh, They sometimes try costume on And they look like, oh, I don't know Like, oh, it looks nice, but I don't know Is it fit me? It doesn't not Can you give some advice How to uh, What to pay attention to uh, In order to make This decision to buy or not to buy How to make sure that this Costume really fits you Or uh, matches you and makes You look nice, because sometimes in this Emotional situations of dance festivals It's very difficult to make decision. Or should I buy? Shouldn't I buy? I like it, but 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 there is always this but (laughs) something. So how to to some tips on how to be confident? If uh, oh yes, this is costume for me. I want to buy it. Or what to pay attention in general when you are trying to choose uh, costumes? (coughs)
0: Can I say first? (laughs) Then Alia will tell uh, say from her point, but. uh... Uh, it's actually a question which consists two parts. The first part is a dancer who doesn't know, uh, is she good in this costume or not? She may not have experience or maybe it's her first costume or, uh, she's just too, too emotional about some details and, uh, don't pay attention to, uh, the bigger picture. And the second part is, uh, a seller because, uh, well, it's not secret, most of the sellers, they don't care how good the costumes uh, on on people. They just sell them. And their goal is to get as much money uh, from this festival as possible. For us, we decided uh, we don't want to go like this. We will not sell costume. yeah, we will, of course, if she insists, but we would not recommend costume to a girl. Uh, who doesn't look good in it? Instead, we have uh, another costumes to suggest. Alia knows what looks good. Alia knows uh, sizes of the costumes. She understands uh, how the costume will look uh, on uh, on that girl, and maybe she can suggest another one instead of the first she tried. And the second option, which is pretty common, we can make. Uh, Costume by order. She can try. She can see what goes wrong, and uh, Alia can take her measurements, and she can make uh, the same or almost the same costume, but uh, designed and tailored uh, especially for the girl who tried.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the most important when dancer looks very nice in costume, because. Um, um, a lot of uh, my clients told me all the time that, for example, my bras from costumes, fix very well. Uh, and uh, because for me, bra is most important things in the costume. And uh, all time I fix on me, uh, perfectly. And also for clients, too. And uh, when, for example, girls will uh, try my costumes and it will look not not nice. And all time I say this uh, for me better to have satisfied clients than uh, sell costumes for and uh, receive money because uh, after a lot of my clients will uh, clients will uh, tell to other dancers that my costumes very nice and I recommend uh, ALEA design it's, uh, it's most important mm-hmm. because for example uh, every time I see on other designers how uh, how they work with clients and a lot of designers um, look like this uh, okay, it's perfectly it's my lovely costume it's the best costume it's this costume just for you and just buy it <laughs> but it's not my way
0: yeah, it works for both sides you know uh, it's just uh, we make people happy and people then come back to us, people recommend us, and every time people dance and write costume by Aliyah, ballet dance fashion, uh, another people, another dancer see that this is perfectly fit costume. It's not something like, uh it's absolutely not your size, or uh bad fitted bra, or just not your style. We are trying to make people happy with costumes and uh, they're coming
2: back. But this way not work in, with China dancers because if they want this costume, doesn't matter. It look good, not good. <laughs> they will buy <laughs> Because last time, uh, one girl, um, uh, costume was uh, smaller than girl, but a uh, girl told
1: me, no, it's perfect.
2: I would like this costume and they buy it.
1: well i guess they can easily adjust it somehow they have some secrets (laughs) for costume adjustments um let's come back to the topic of uh, uh, festival organizations and uh, some possible improvements if we have among our listeners right now some belly festival organizers uh we talked uh, a little bit about uh needs of uh, Baladins designers and it's very important to remember about like good placing, good lights, uh, appropriate time when participants can uh, check the costumes to build it maybe even in the schedule of event. But from a point of view of video and photos (laughs) I'm sure you can give a lot of interesting suggestions for festival organizers what to keep in mind to make uh, memories about festival be nice and pleasant for participants and work of photographer and videographer easier <laughs> and more joyable at the event what uh, what are the common mistakes and what can be easy solutions to avoid those mistakes
0: Wow big question actually <laughs> but I will try to make it simple uh, the most important thing in video and in photo in general, not in Baladance only, is the light. Because uh, the light makes pictures. And uh, yes, I understand. All, most of them, okay. 99% of uh, Baladans organiz- festivals organizers, they have no idea how the light should work. And uh, Yes, I understand the budgets of belly dance festivals do not allow them to work with uh, good professionals from the lightning side or from the sound side. So it's kind of makeshift sometimes. But still, uh, this is the most common problem. People have no idea how to make the light work because they think, okay, we have some 10 lights in a venue, and it will be perfect. But they have no idea that the light should be organized. The light should follow some rules. Um, And they mostly don't ask any suggestions from videographer or photographer. Mm -hmm. If they ask, I can spend some 15, 20 minutes uh, just looking at equipment, speaking with the light guy, what can he do, what he can't, uh, and just suggest some improvements to make picture better. And it looks better not only for video, it looks better for the eye because video just amplifies all the errors or all the good ones, solutions, but uh, if you have good videos, you have a good uh, picture for audience sitting in this same hall. This is a general mistake. The second one is that people sometimes don't realize that cameraman should have the best place in the audience, by definition. He should be in the middle, not too close, not too far, don't have any people coming in front, don't have any head sitting in front. He should have sometimes uh, electrical power because we feel many, many hours uh, and uh, batteries is not the very safe way to go sometimes. And you cannot refilm. Let's say if I film from batteries, uh, uh interview and it goes wrong, battery dies or something happens, I can replace battery and film again. But if I film uh, performance on stage and something goes wrong with the battery, I just lose my footage. I lost my client and I let down the people who wanted to buy video. So. My requirements are usually very simple. I need to be in the middle, not too far, not too close, don't have people coming around, I need to have electrical power, and if I can help with the light, this is very good. This is it, basically. Yeah.
1: What are those, if if try to simplify and describe general, what are those rules about light? Because sometimes event organizers that hire technicians and technicians would set up whatever they set up and the festival organizers, they just trust, oh, this is probably supposed to be like this. Uh, can you but it's different light for different events if it's a conference and speech it's one thing if it's a dance event it's a different thing so sometimes those lighting technicians they may not consider those things in their mind too can you give just at least several like outlines of rules that uh, event organizers need to remember so that they can at least check if technicians more not to guide technicians but at least to have an idea if it's more or less reasonable for dance event or it's something that they need to ask someone else to to do
0: okay very simple rules for stage light for any stage light or for any stage event Uh, from the front on the face on the body you need to have white light only no colors from the front This is rule number one. The Rule number 1A, from the front, you need to have white light. Because if you don't have any light from the front, you will not see the face, you will not see the body. Because this is what audience see in general. Face, body, costume. Uh, With the colors, you can work from behind, from the top, from the sides not from the front, from the sides, I mean like from 90 degrees and uh, going back. Okay. From any position, you can work from down, you can work from up, you can work from uh, diagonal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Depends on what you have. But you need to use light to make some nice uh, shine on the hair. You need to use light to make some nice uh, shine on edges of uh, of costume of people. So you have white from the front, you have nice color streaks on the hair, on the body, on the costume. Uh, I usually suggest to use some uh, fog machines because fog uh, amplifies um, light beams. So the people can see not only the light streaks on the dancer or on stage, they can see it around. Uh, Again, belly dance is not very uh, known for big budgets, so usually the background is just I don't know, it's just a printed banner, or in the worst case, it's just a black backdrop, and nothing else. So you can decorate it with a fog machine and some light beams. This is easy way, it costs you almost nothing, but it makes good uh, volume. You have color, you have volume, uh, people can see how the light moves, people can see how the light amplifies, because if you make color lights from behind, and it's in the fog. You have the all the volume of this fog uh, colored. And this is good. Uh, what else? Um, well, I guess this is the main rules. Uh, if there is a possibility, it's a good idea to use um, follow spots. Maybe not all the time, but uh, for many performances, color spot, uh, follow spots from the front um uh, make very good picture. What else? Uh yeah, about the colors. Uh, there are some rules, you know <clears throat> people can Google uh what the color wheel means. Uh many, many light technicians use the same color on a stage as a costume. Mm. And this is a big mistake. Because all the volume <clears throat> and a dancer It's all the same color. You need to use opposite colors. You need to use, let's say, people dancing in a uh, yellow costume. You never use yellow, red, orange. You need to use calm colors, cool colors. You need to use blue. You need to use violet, red, uh, not red, uh, I'm sorry, rose. In general, uh, people's skin, people's skin is warm color. And you have white light from the front. Sometimes it's halogen light and it's very warm. So you need to compensate for it. If you can go with uh, cool colors, let's say moonlight, uh, blue, but not very hard blue. Modern LEDs can make it so deep blue that it looks ugly. But if you use light blue, rose, violet, from this spectrum, this is good, because it compensates and mixes nice with the white light, with the yellow light from the front. Uh, what else? If there is a possibility, it's good to use not only one light, uh, not only one color. If you can mix colors to make a little difference, let's say light blue with violet, this is, uh, th- this makes color concert- contrast between the colors, and as it cool lights, It makes good uh, color contrast from the front line. Mm.
1: That's a lot of very good, uh, interesting tips for event organizers that I'm sure they care about uh, their event and quality and experience participants get there. But very often people forget that lighting is actually what makes the show be really cool. And not only during the show, but also have those nice memories of photos and videos afterwards and promotional material for future festivals as well. So,
0: Yeah, of course. And uh, many people think, okay, I invest a few hundred euros, I rent good equipment, and uh, that's it, I will have a good light. The problem is this equipment needs to be set up and... uh, tuned to represent your needs to make a good stage light and it is unfortunately and regrettably very rare occasion when the light guy who operates this equipment it's not only the guy who knows how to press buttons this is the guy who knows how to build a picture unfortunately
1: so three main summary that i did and just To summarize it for festival organizers, first, make sure that the front light is just regular white light with no colors. Uh, Second, if your technician can use some colors, ask him not to use the color the same to the uh, costume color of the dancer. And third, better go and talk to photographer and videographer about that too.
0: (laughs) Yes. The last one maybe is the most important because uh, if you do it every couple of weeks, if you do it on a few dozen stages every year, you know how to make it better. You don't know how to press buttons. Or maybe you do know, but you don't know what buttons to press uh, on this exact board or on, uh, on this exact computer controller. But you know what you want to have from the light. And if you speak and guy who press the buttons understand and willing to cooperate, which is the problem usually, uh, you can build a nice light picture.
1: Yeah, that that's awesome. And that, that will serve good, to not only make the videographer and photographer work easier, but also uh, be really good addition to the festival to organizers and to the ve- event uh, participants. So thank you for, for sharing. I'm sure a lot of uh, uh, festival organizers, or not even festival organizers, any event organizers, even if it's just teacher organizing hafla at their like uh, uh, studio space and renting some lights, I'm sure they're all uh, uh, writing notes right now, <laughs> what to keep in mind. <laughs> Um, another question also about approach to photos and videos at the dance festival. Um, some event organizers, they limit um, permission of people to take photos and videos on their own cameras during gala shows. And some event organizers don't tell anything about that. How does it work uh, for you as a photographer and videographer who works at that festival uh, and you do professional videos? Do you have any special requirements or requests to festival organizers or how does it usually work in the dynamic of the event?
0: (laughs) Okay, Uh, this is a good question also. Uh, I know some videographers or photographers, they... uh, very jealous of the people making photos and videos for themselves, because they think, okay, I come here, I invest my money, I want to have exclusive rights. But as festival organizer, uh, I understand that uh, photos and videos made by mobile phones, by live streams, uh, they make a good promotion. And uh, people, sometimes they just film their performance To see if it was okay. I mean the performance. And they go and buy videos. Why? Because I'm a professional. I invested a lot on my equipment. I know how to film in different and difficult light conditions. I know that my videos will be better. In any given situation. And my opinion here is. Yes, I have some investments which I need to work on because I invest in my tickets, in my accommodation, in my equipment. So yes, I need to make some money from the festival. But from the other side, I know that if people don't want to buy, they will not buy in any case they will see a chance to film uh, with a hidden camera, they will try to film it from different angles, they will try to make it another way, but they will not pay for the videos if they are not ready to pay for them. Most dancers today, they understand the value of good quality videos, because it's not only for uh, <clears throat> showing to friends or looking uh, long winter nights and uh, having nice memories. This is for promotion. every dancer wants to be promoted uh, every dancer wants to be noticed, and they uh, starting to understand that these good videos, good photos uh, some additional photo shoots, some additional video clips uh, they help because this is what makes you noticeable. This is what uh, help uh, other people festival organizers uh, maybe some other people. I don't know, they not only dance on the festivals, they have some uh, local business uh, dancing on the weddings or somewhere else, and they need to have promotional materials to present. And the videos made from the wedding dances without no lights, with mobile phone shootings, they're not the best materials to promote themselves. They need to have good stage performances, good videos and photos of those performances. And this is my advantage, and those are my clients. I have people who buy videos from me sometimes before they dance because they know I will make good videos regardless of everything else. Mm. So, uh, answering to your questions directly, I do not object of the people making videos from their cameras, from their mobile phones, whatever. The only thing I object when the people starting to use professional equipment when they start to set up tripods close to me, when they start to record everything. Uh, because, well, after all, this is my job and uh, I need to earn for my bread and butter.
1: Right. But that's very interesting perspective because I, I saw a lot of... Uh almost fights at dance festivals trying to limit uh, people's permission to record just for themselves. But it's a really valid point uh, point that uh, uh, no amateur camera even or no phone even like most uh, uh, last model will never match the quality of professional video and not only because of quality of equipment but also because of skills of person who who records because if videographer has a lot of uh, and photographer has a constant experience shooting and like 20, 30 events per year, it's most likely that that person uh, will do way better video than it's someone who is doing uh, just amateur, even if they have a cool uh, camera on their phone, it still will not match. And for promotional material, it's obviously professional video is much more important and uh, valuable for this point.
0: I can make some addition. Moreover, uh, it's not only equipment, Let's say uh, my workflow, I do not sell videos straight from the camera. I record videos for post-processing. When I come home and people order videos, I make color correction, because a stage light, it is not constant. Sometimes light guys plays with the lights, make them worse, make them better, make them cool, make them warm. And if I sell videos as they were recorded, it is still good quality, yes. But the color can be wrong. The video can be darker or lighter than it should be. So I record videos with the color corrections uh, in mind. When I come home, every single video I sell, I make individual, individual color correction. It's not like I spend hours on it, of course. But I have a few fixes. I fix the colors, I feel the exposure, so it's not too dark, not too light. Uh, I usually fix the skin color. If the light is too cool, I make it warmer. And if it's too warm, I make it cooler. Uh, this kind of improvements.
1: Mm. Coming back to the topic of uh, traveling together, uh, it's not there are not many professional couples in the balladance dance world <laughs> do you find it easy to to live and work together in the balladance dance industry
0: yeah of course
1: yeah. and
2: uh, for us it's uh, for example for me uh, I can't image uh, now to travel alone alone Because uh, all time we travel together and help each other and um... It
0: works very well from every point of view. Mm -hmm. We support each other uh, in many ways uh, not only, I mean, emotionally as a family. We support each other. Let's say Aliyah has a workshop to give as a teacher. So I can have an eye on her bazaar place. Or maybe I have some uh, some event I need to film, let's say, I don't know, I'm making the best moments video, I went to workshops to film some moments, and she can sell some videos I made before. Uh, it also helps with the cost, of course, because uh, when we travel together, we share the cost, and uh, what is big money for a simple costume designer or for simple videographer, we share it, and it makes it a little bit more profitable. And it helps uh, in terms that we offer to festivals the whole package. They not only take a uh, teacher or costume designer or uh, videographer, they take it all together in one package. And it, is, it has more benefits than to hire three different people for this or to invite three different people for this.
2: Yes, and for me, like dancing, very important because uh, all time I will have uh, good video, good photos, and uh, firstly.
1: <laughs> ah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, traveling so much uh, together, this is going to be a fun question. <laughs> um, is there anything that uh, you must take with you on a trip. You can't imagine going traveling without that thing, but uh, your partner still can't understand why you damn need that thing in the trip in your bag. <laughs> you, we already talked about uh, traveling Shisha, <laughs> but maybe there is something else like that.
2: <laughs> well,
0: actually, my wife understands why I take travel, travel Shisha, because uh, this makes life for her much easier. I don't go at night in a not-known city to find some shisha <laughs> bar. I just light it in a room, put a, open the window, and I can work sitting in my room. In our room, I mean. Uh, <laughs> a hotel room. Uh, but I'm sure every man cannot understand why the girl needs so much cosmetics. It's just impossible. It's taking half a case.
1: <laughs> well, all, all, all female listeners are now tensing. Like what? <laughs> no way. Okay, I mean, do costumes, ha-
2: it's okay. <laughs> maybe if I am um, I am a costume designer, and of course all time I have a lot of costumes with me. And Vladimir, don't ask me why you need a lot of costumes. But I think if uh, uh, and if I wasn't designer. Uh, maybe he asked me why you need a lot of costumes for for your performance
1: <laughs> okay is there anything uh, you ask Vladimir why do you need it again in this trip <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um i asked uh, why you need uh, for example, extra for him work for extra fle- flesh and other equipment, because sometimes when I, I, I know that on festival, Vladimir will just take videos, not photos, for example, but all time we have a lot of things in his case. And when I ask, can I put my, some stuff, for example, shoes, dress, evening dresses to your, ca- uh, to your case? No, I don't have free uh, place. <laughs>
1: so you don't share bags (laughs)
2: yes and uh, last time we discussed about we need more cases because uh, now he has a lot of things for his works and uh, my bazaar much more bigger bigger all the time and uh, last time when we traveled to France we traveled by car and we we
0: well, we folded our back seats, and we put all our stuff, we took all the trunk, all the back seats, and we put something else uh, between our legs, somewhere else, because car was full to the top.
2: Yes.
0: With the equipment, costumes, cosmetics, okay, uh, some personal belongings, but mine fit in like small bag, really small one.
2: But last time you asked me all time not about cosmetics. You asked me about uh, about my dresses. I mean evening dresses for mm-hmm. festival. Because if I know festival will um four days, I need four dresses, four shoes. It must, right. be, it must help. And uh, he asked me why you need a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. Yeah,
0: I think the same <laughs> question is with cosmetics. I have... Uh, <laughs> okay, I can have couple changes of underwear, I can have some uh, I don't know, couple t shirts, uh but I have only one shoes and only one jeans is on me. Why do I need more?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I think the, the answer is very very uh easy. Uh, it's because you're usually behind the camera and Ale is usually in front of camera. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but still, it's a question every man asks for um, uh, every woman, every woman. So
1: well, but I'm happy you always find space for traveling uh, shisha. Now I will know if we need <laughs> shisha at the place and uh, Ali and Vladimir at the event. Okay, we have uh, we have a secret shisha yes. place.
2: <laughs> when we was in China, when we was in China, and in China competition was. Uh, maybe 12 hours. Oh, I wow. don't remember exactly, but a lot, uh, long time. And uh, I film, and Vladimir go to a room to smoke shisha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you uh. just cut it. It's not true. <laughs> I film everything myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, in China uh, the time problem uh, yeah. is very big because uh, the festival is so packed with events, that it is just impossible to be all the time at a place. Uh, Let's say they start workshops at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, They finish workshops at some six or five p.m. Then you have one hour break before competition starts. Competition starts at six or seven in the evening and it finishes at six in the morning. And then you have workshops at 10 and you have bazaar to attend and you have videos to sell because Chinese, <laughs> Chinese people don't buy videos online. They buy only at a place. So you need to be at a place at least a few hours a day to sell something, to earn something because you just filmed 12 hours. You need some time to download files, to prepare some screenshots to sell those files. And you still need to attend to a few different events and you have jet lag on top of this. So it's kind of very messy with the time. And uh, sometimes I was just asking my wife to help to move in the camera because the light was constant at the competition. She knows how to move the camera to follow the dancer. And I can go to my room and have a couple hours of sleep because it's just basically not possible to go uh, on the full schedule
1: yeah sweet dream life of professionals in the dance industry <laughs> yeah that's crazy but um Well, by the way, how about your own uh, dance festival? Because I'm sure you organize all your experience of attending so many events. You try to embody all that uh, experience and knowledge in your own dance event. And talking about your dance festival, I want to start with uh, such a question. What is the thing about your dance festival that you are the most proud of? And it can be two, one of each.
0: (laughs) I think uh, we can be proud of their atmosphere because people, all the people who speak with us, uh, all the dancers who come, who attend, not only stars or not only participants, all of them, they say this is one of the most warm welcoming, relaxing, and family events they ever met, they have ever been at. Because, you know, uh, this is truly family event. Last time, uh, last year in 2018, the bulk of the organization team was not only me and uh, my wife, Alia, it was her family as well. It was her sister, her mother, and her father. And uh, everything was like, I don't know. We don't rush. We have a relaxed schedule. We care about the people, how much time do they need. Uh, When they will have break to eat, uh, we have, as I mentioned before, tea, coffee, cookies. Uh, We have we thought about giving them change rooms with the big mirrors, with a lot of lights.
2: Not just change rooms, and uh, some food too. <laughs> because uh, I know it's very important for dancers during the workshops, shows, uh, and all time during our festival we have a lot of water, um, some uh, snacks.
0: We also have a home food for our teachers. We do not order takeaways or we do not uh, take them to the restaurants. Yes, we have a party at the restaurant. and uh, But most of the food is prepared by my mother-in-law, by Alia's mother. And we set uh, a special room at the place, at the venue where we have a festival. And we have a home food there all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So all the teachers, they can eat. Home food prepared just for them, just yeah. like this.
2: Hmm. And also, I very proud about uh, our stage. Maybe it's strange, but really a lot of festival, uh, a lot of Venus festivals in Europe. Without normal stage, stage like uh, I mean professional stage, mm-hmm. because for dancers, when where, dancers very important to dance on normal stage with professional sounds, the light and these things. And uh, at our festivals when we start planning our first festival four four yes four years ago, I told the most uh, important things for our festivals is stage we will have a location with normal stage, not like hotel and Mm.
1: How difficult is to put a dance festival uh, in your home country while you're basically constantly traveling?
0: (laughs) The problem is it's not our home country. We live here for for the same four years we're making the festival and it's basically a foreign country for us. Not now, now is a bit homely, but uh, when we started, we didn't know anything about uh, how the thing works here, in this country, in this city. Uh, But, you know, festival organization is not like a very demanding job. It requires a lot of uh, work with social media. It requires a lot of planning. But the actual work in the field it's just a few days before the festival. So the travel is not a problem here. You can plan during the trips. You can think uh, in any free time. Uh, you can post uh, in social media uh, anytime you want. So the most of work of organize, to organize the festival is to promote it. Yes, of course, you need to think first about uh, what exactly you're doing, what people you're inviting, and so on. Let's say for the moment, we're already making our lineup for uh, 2020. Uh, But basically, every festival is the same. You have workshops uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, you have shows and competitions in the evening, We have a large competition, so we decided to uh, give additional day just for competition, so everything can go relaxed, uh, without rush, without people tired from the workshops or thinking about something else uh, What they need to do after. So it's just competition day only, but mostly just the same. What you need to think and plan is promotional materials, invitations, uh, posters, website... Uh,
2: registrations?
0: Yes, registrations, uh, this kind of stuff. and It's not requiring us to stay here at home.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is the value for dancers to attend uh, different dance festivals?
2: Uh, I think, firstly, it uh, depends on teachers. Because the uh, I believe in it, that a lot of dancers uh, travel to different festivals to have more experience uh, to teach from other teachers, or to learn from other teachers, because it's very important for for level every dancer. And uh, of course for competition prizes, because for example, my students all time ask me which prizes... Uh, on these festivals, on these festivals, and uh, because um, if you good dancer, of course, you would like to want something. And uh, a lot of dancer, professional dancer, come into other festivals for money prizes, for example, to be a teacher to next edition uh, and uh, perform to to meet new friends. And maybe, um, for example, to our festivals came a lot of peop- a, lo- a lot of organizers, um, young, young organizers, but after they have uh, new, um, new friends here and invite uh, to... To their own festivals? Yes, to our festivals. And uh, it's, uh, it's very important because I do the same. When I travel to other festivals, I, uh, for me, it's important to meet, to meet new friends, new new dancers and invite to our festival in Warsaw. It's nice, mm. I think.
0: From my point of view, I'm not a dancer. I'm just a guy who loves a dancer.
2: Um, <laughs> so, and dance,
1: uh, hopefully, from, too.
0: <laughs> well, actually, it may be a surprise for many people... But I'm not a big fan of belly dance or oriental dance. And uh, I don't mean I hate it, but I'm not a big fan. I'm neutral to it. I'm in belly dance because of my wife and because we decided to build something together. And uh, I like some songs, of course. I like good performances, of course. But it's not like I can't live without belly dance. This is my choice because of my wife. And uh, because of that, I have some interesting position to look at belly dance sometimes because I can analyze what people just love or hate. I can just look at and have my thoughts. So about the festivals, I think... Uh, It is important for the dancer who wants to develop to go to festivals because belly dance, it is not a professional sport. You cannot grow up just going to competitions. I mean, to grow in from your local town competition to your country competition and then become Olympic champion of belly dance. (laughs) Not going to happen. And uh, if you want to grow up, if you want to build uh, some kind of career out of this, you need to communicate with people, you need to blend in, you need to be in this society, and uh, competition is a good way to show what you can. Competition is a good way, if you're a good dancer, to have some prizes, to f- attend for free to any other festivals, to maybe earn some money, as it is if it is money prizes, or maybe to get the chance to be a teacher uh, at the same festival, because uh, many festivals, including ours, Uh, for the winner of professional uh, category in our competition, we have a money prize and uh, we have uh, a slot for them to be teacher at our next festival, our next edition. So they can show themselves. They can launch their path to be maybe a good teacher or at least to show themselves to other people around. Because uh has a lot of side projects, a lot of shows, a lot of uh, activities besides the festivals. And uh, if, you, if you're good, you need to show the world that you're good. And the best way is to be at the same place with the people who decide. So when you attend a lot of festivals, you can communicate with a lot of people, with a lot of organizers, you can show yourself, look at the others to get some experience. And of course, uh, as Aliyah said, uh, every dancer needs to develop. So the more workshops you visit, the better you understand the dance, and uh, the more you can incorporate your own dance style.
1: Hmm. That's definitely I totally agree even with this boom of social media it still cannot replace the networking opportunities and career opportunities at the festival uh at the physical festival so uh, for those who are interested in developing real professional career in the festival world not only in your local area of maybe performing at different gigs at, in your city but having developing professional dance career at the festival industry it's very important first to become part of this festival world and then hopefully expect if you're a good dancer to show to present your work and expect uh, uh, some networking collaborations with other event organizers so it's a valuable point and I really appreciate also your honesty about your opinion about ballet dance. I found it's very valuable to have a, a perspective of people who are not uh, crazy in love with dance to have the, to hear their perspective on the industry because they can look and analyze things from this neutral point of view because as dancers we are so much in love with ballet dance that we sometimes don't see obvious things that are that, um, that uh, uh exist in the industry and uh, it's very difficult sometimes to develop and bring it to the different level especially if you start talking about dance as a profession and dance as a source of income so how about uh, your next dance festival in august can you tell our listeners uh what is the dates who are the teachers and what to expect at your next edition of Dance Festival in Poland? And um, uh, why they should mark their calendars and come to you?
0: Uh, our festival is traditionally in the middle of August. This year it is 15th, 16th, 17th and 18th of August. Uh, we have not a big lineup, but a very bright one. Uh, this is Alavats, Alexey Bashapka, Leandro Ferreira, uh, Stella Zahir. Uh, it is Svitare from Switzerland and uh, Leila Giovanna and Roland uh, from Germany. And of course, Aliya. She's organizer and she's giving the workshop uh, this edition. Uh, why do they need to mark calendars? This is this is really call for advertisement and I'm not a good one to make one, but as I mentioned before, uh, many people come to our festival not only because of good teachers. We think this is a good lineup, of course. Someone think maybe it isn't. Of course, it, this is a matter of personal opinion, but we have a good lineup. We have nice people. Uh,
2: nice I, I mean n-
0: nice uh, in, in a family way. We're trying to work with the people we know. We're trying to work with the people uh, who we trust to be uh, to be like family at the festival. We do not put barriers between the dancers and teachers. Uh, we're trying to make uh, our event as a place where people can can feel welcome. And we have a big competition with many categories. I think maybe it, we have the most packed competition in Europe uh, in terms of categories because uh, we kind of mix sport belly dance and uh, sport belly dance as it is in Belarus, Ukraine and Russia mm-hmm. because they have many categories and subcategories. But we are not that zealous about this. We are not put in many age groups. We are not put in many levels. But still, when we think it is good to split people, let's say we have kids, we have juniors, we have adults uh, who dance in the same dance style, and we think this is fair because when uh, juniors compete with uh, adults or maybe senior dancers, it's not really fair. So we have a lot of uh, dance categories, we have good prizes, we have uh, dozens of um, festival packages all around the world, and we do not give like 10% discount on single workshop at this festival. No, Uh, our rule is we give full packages only. So the people who win the competition, they can be sure they will have a full package uh, for some or other festival in the world. And our winner gets a big money prize, I don't know if it's okay to say uh, the number, it's all over our website and uh leaflets and whatever. So it's thousand euro in cash at a place. They get to be the teacher at our next edition and additionally, they have uh, one of the full packages to festivals worldwide.
2: No, for our professional winner uh, in uh, professional category, we have uh, uh, not just uh, money, but beautiful crown, and also full pack uh, to the biggest festival in Russia by Katya Eshta, Kairo Mirage.
1: Mm mm-hmm. That's a big festival too, and it's a uh, uh, interesting networking between festivals uh, too. Not only between dancers, <laughs> you established a lot of networks uh, and uh, cool uh, prizes for all uh, categories and all event participants. Mm-hmm. So August uh, mid August meeting place in uh, Warsaw <laughs> yeah. um hopefully every year your festival gets uh, bigger and bigger with more um more participants more teachers but still remain this feeling of uh, a family atmosphere and I'm sure it will be since you're organizing it and you're putting so many thoughts and uh, and um, Uh, energy into into putting it together and all your experience uh, from seeing uh, uh, other festivals Uh, so i'm very very excited for you and uh, hope to see your festival growing from from year to year (laughs) thank you as usual, I will put all uh, links uh, in the show notes, so for all listeners who are listening now who are interested, you can just go to the show notes and there will be links to the um festival uh, web, uh, websites, web pages, as well as to social media of Alia and Vladimir. And by the way, what is your favorite social uh, media to post at that dancers can uh, follow your activities and your travels uh, uh, on an almost daily basis? <laughs> <laughs> so
2: for me, it's Instagram. It's more popular because uh, for me, it's more easy to use Instagram because uh, all time, for example, stories, I'm here, I'm here, I can uh, share with people and uh, and Facebook too.
0: Well, I hate Instagram. I'm saying it officially <laughs> because uh, I don't understand uh, Instagram, Twitter, this kind of limited stuff where you cannot show the full quality of picture or something like this. This is me speaking as professional. Uh, I always want to show, to have possibility to show maximum possible quality uh, and so on. And honestly, I'm not big on social media. I don't post stories. I don't post every travel I mean, I, I'm going to. So, yeah, of course, I post something on my professional page on Facebook. Uh, especially I'm trying to keep my travel calendar updated. Which is a bit hard lately, but I'm trying to. Uh, So, yeah, I guess Facebook, Instagram, I'm mostly reposting my own job posted by any other people I made it for.
1: Well, we can also have a sneak peek on your activities uh, via (laughs) Alias, Instagram, and Stories, I guess.
0: I think this is a better way to follow my activities than to follow my own social network. Yeah. Uh,
1: guys, uh, thank you so much for your time and for this awesome conversation. It was uh, both fun and full of uh, interesting and useful tips for dancers, for event organizers, for future event organizers. So thank you so much for sharing your experience, your knowledge and uh, your time with us today. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I always uh, finish and sum up every interview uh, with uh, our traditional question of the podcast and uh, uh, you can approach it in whatever way you want since today we have an unusual couple interview uh, but the question is uh, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years <laughs>
0: Well, you know the answer to this question from my side? I don't love belly dance. Mm-hmm. I love my wife, who is happened to be a ballad dancer. So uh, I like some stuff about the ballad dance uh, because well, it's not it's a mix between people's uh, hobbies, between people's passion. Uh, between some professional dance and uh, between some professional sports. With this crazy mix, I don't think I've ever seen or will see uh, it in some other areas because, you know, if you take classical dance, it's all sports. If you take, I don't know, some kind of, I don't know, even maybe some sambar or whatever, it's all-around festivals. Just dancing, having fun, or... But this is mix. It may be good, it may be bad, it may be sometimes both, but it's fun sometimes. But most and foremost, this is my wife.
2: Uh, and uh, I love ballet dance because um, I love in general dance. Because now I try to do uh, to dance other styles also. But... Uh, ballet dance is very special the style for me because a lot of uh, beautiful costumes I can uh, feel myself. Uh, I feel this style very natural. And uh, for me, it's very big love to be on stage because, for example, without dance, I can't, I can't imagine me without dance.
1: Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, do you know the best way to support this project? is to share it with your friends it takes few seconds cost you nothing but it helps a lot to move this project forward and help me to bring more awesome guests on the podcast in the future you can tell your friend you can send a message email you can screenshot and put a, a post on social media whatever works better for you but if every one of you will share this episode at least with one more person It will make a huge difference for this podcast. Thank you for spending your time with us, for your support and love. And until next time, keep shimmying, keep dancing, and I will see you soon.